Chapter Two of France to Scandinavia by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. A Modern Columbus. I feel that I am the modern Columbus. At the end of the fifteenth century, the great Genoese started west across the Atlantic and discovered America. In the youth of the twentieth century, I am starting across the Atlantic to discover the new world of Europe. Columbus had a fleet of three little vessels. His flagship, the Santa Maria, was only ninety feet long and twenty feet wide, and its displacement was about thirty-five tons. My ship is the Majestic, the biggest boat that has ploughed the sea since God divided the waters. It is more than double the length of the Ark of Old Noah and thrice its depth from the hurricane deck to the keel. It is just about seventeen hundred times the size of the flagship of Columbus. To be exact, it has 56,000 gross tonnage, is 956 feet long, 100 feet wide, and a little more than 100 feet deep. But figures mean nothing except to an Einstein, an Isaac Newton, or a Humphrey Davy. Let me give you some concrete comparisons. Take the Woolworth Building in Lower New York. Let the genie who moved Aladdin's palace in the wink of an eye lift it up and lay it lengthwise beside us out here in mid-ocean. The Majestic is almost 200 feet longer, and its cubic contents are, I should say, greater. When the Central Park obelisk was brought from Egypt to New York, it filled the steamer on which it was carried. You could put the Washington Monument, the greatest of all obelisks, on the deck of the Majestic, and there would still be 200 feet between its aluminum tip and the prow, and a like distance from its base to the stern. Noah's Ark, estimating the cubit at 18 inches, was 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and the Bible says it had only three stories. This flagship of mine has nine decks, and if a ten-story apartment house could be built on its keel, the roof would not reach the base of the smokestacks. Two such arcs could be laid lengthwise inside the Majestic, and there would still be three decks above and three decks below. The captain tells me it takes a nine-mile walk to see all of the ship. I'm sure he is right for I make a Sabbath day's journey every time I go from my room to my meals. Just an item or so to emphasize these dimensions. Take a look at the great anchors which are dropped to steady the ship in the harbors. Beside them, the anchors of Columbus's ships were fish hooks. Indeed, the majestic anchors might serve as fish hooks for the gods, the lines being cables of wrought steel, each link of which could encircle a Georgia melon. The Majestic has one anchor at each side of her prow, and a third, the largest of all, sticks right out of the nose of the ship. Their total weight is 35 tons, and their stems are twice the thickness of a telegraph pole. In order to show you their size, I have had myself photographed standing on the biggest one. It is so heavy that it would take 30 horses to haul it over the road. I am out in the open on the prow of the ship, hanging, as it were, in the air, higher above the keel than the roof of a six-story building, forty feet below the hurricane deck, and sixty feet above the level of the blue sea below. I am not a human fly, and I will leave it to your imagination as to how the picture was taken. Columbus made his famous journey with sails. This ship is driven by turbines that equal the power of one hundred thousand horses, all working at once. Take out your watch and feel its weight. Mine weighs five ounces. This ship weighs 56,000 tons, and every bit of it is built like a watch. I went in an elevator with the chief engineer 
down through story after story of the marvelous machinery and put my hands on the steel wheel that controls the mighty force speeding the majestic through the waves faster than a racehorse can trot we are making twenty-five miles an hour as i write and our possible speed is thirty or more still with a twist of the wrist i could stop the ship and with another twist start it going the captain on the bridge has a thought and the touch of a button will turn this machinery as he directs the majestic is now cutting the billows at a mile every two minutes a rate that would take away the breath of columbus he sailed from the canary islands to the west indies in thirty-three days the first time i crossed the atlantic to europe i took the largest steamer afloat that was in my salad days before my red mustache had sprouted we were eight days going from new york to liverpool today about the same trip has been made by airplane in twenty-four hours while the majestic has made the passage between new york and cherbourg in five days six hours and thirteen minutes were i the witch of endor i would raise the spirit of columbus as she called for that of samuel for saul and i venture that columbus when he saw the wonders surrounding him on this great ship would be more disquieted than was that old prophet of israel i should like to show columbus what makes the force that drives the majestic it is a power that was unknown until almost four hundred years after the santa maria was launched it is oil drawn from the rocky bowels of old mother earth we have eight thousand tons of it aboard and are burning more than thirty tons every hour or a half ton a minute the oil is sprayed into the furnaces and the turning of a screw starts the flow if the ship were fueled like the old style twentieth-century steamer it would need five hundred additional men to shovel in the coal and dump out the ashes fuel oil is now used on all the great liners it propels ships of our navy from submarines to super dreadnoughts and it is the need of such oil that is causing the struggle between the powers for the control of the petroleum fields of the world i should like to see the ghost of columbus looking at the magic lights on this steamer we have fifteen thousand incandescent bulbs that shine every night and there are great golden globes set into the ceilings of the palm court the ballroom and the dining room a city of forty thousand people could be supplied with lights by our dynamos and almost every one of these golden golf balls gives out more light rays than all the grease pots or lamps of fish oil which tried vainly to conquer the darkness of the santa maria electricity is the slave of the lamp on the majestic it makes the sun shine at midnight it does also the cooking and the heating it runs the elevators from deck to deck and in case we strike an iceberg or collide with another ship it will drop the lifeboats down to the sea it will close in an instant the many watertight doors of the vessel this electricity even penetrates the waters of the swimming tank turning their emerald green into the richest of gold and making the pretty girl bathers look like so many ivory mermaids as they play about in its rays indeed excepting the lifeboats there is hardly a thing aboard this vessel that suggests the ships of columbus the huge monster is made of steel and its armor is a steel shell about as thick as your thumb which keeps out the water at the level of the sea and below this shell is double with an air space between so large that a big dog could crawl through it but higher up there is only the single steel skin enclosing the vast complexity of machinery and furnishings there is nothing on the steamer that recalls the bluff old skipper and the sailors of the days of john and sebastian cabot and americus vespucius 
the captain of the ship is a retired commodore of the british navy who has been knighted by his king notwithstanding his titles he is more simple and unpretentious than the steward who takes care of my room i have chatted with sir bertram on the bridge and in the chart-room and he has no more fuss and feathers about him than any of the other efficient captains i have met in a lifetime of travel and now let us look at the parlors when one walks up the gangway of the modern liner he comes into a floating hotel with elevators that glide noiselessly up and down with walls of ivory whiteness and with frescoed and decorated ceilings upheld by great columns like marble on b deck eight stories above the steel keel there are three spacious rooms that run the width of the steamer and cover the length of a short city block they are walled with plate-glass windows looking out upon the wide sea these rooms are from twenty-six to thirty feet high and are fitted up with furniture worth a king's ransom at one end is the palm court filled with real palms whose fronds kiss the ceiling they are set in tubs as big as hogsheads and are bedded in flowers growing out of the earth around their roots indeed columbus might sit among these tropical trees and imagine himself in the west indies beyond the palm court is a restaurant where if he is not satisfied with the table d'hote in the dining-room three decks below one can dine at a dollar a bite opposite across a wide lobby is the lounge which is almost as long as was the deck of the santa maria at one end of the lounge is a stage large enough to accommodate a dozen musicians and there the orchestra plays for the dances that we have every evening it is for all the world like the supper room of a new york hotel with a big dancing space in the centre at night three or four hundred people sit in the upholstered chairs on the red velvet carpet that surrounds the dance floor and men in evening dress and richly clad women move over the floor that is one of the scenes i should like to show to columbus the gowns worn by the dancers are as a rule of silk or filmy chiffon the stuffs are so sheer that a full dress weighs less than a pound but that dress is worth more than its weight in gold if any one should doubt this here are the figures an ounce of gold is worth twenty dollars and a pound avoirdupois would be sixteen times that or three hundred and twenty dollars many of the gowns seen on this floor every night cost more and yet one might squeeze them up in one hand and ram them into a tumbler nevertheless some of the girls on this ship don a new dress every evening but all this is vanity in the words of king david yea it is lighter than vanity christopher columbus with the odor of the salt junk and slum gullion of four centuries ago in his nostrils would be more interested in the housekeeping arrangements of this mighty ocean hotel i shall take his spirit with me down a half dozen stories and show him the kitchens the butchers and the bakers and the storerooms filled with supplies enough to feed fat these five thousand people who have brought their greedy stomachs aboard i have not space to tell how columbus cooked for his men but the ranges for preparing the chops and the steaks on this vessel are as big as a dining-table seating a dozen and are kept red-hot by electricity in addition there are the open fires for cooking roasts and game upon spits as it was done by robin hood and his band in sherwood forest before the days of columbus and there are great steel kettles for soup each of which holds as much as a bathtub and breathes out steam like a factory the spirit of columbus would see a hundred lamb chops on the stove at one time and in the bake shops biscuits and rolls shoveled out of ovens 
into baskets each holding four bushels the majestic cooks six thousand pounds of meat every day it bakes its own bread mixing a barrel of flour at a kneading and it cuts the bread by machinery so fast that one loaf of seventy-two slices was chopped up in just thirty seconds by the ticks of my watch i despair of describing the storerooms one of them has six thousand wild birds hung up in a temperature twelve degrees below freezing as i shivered among them the steward told me he had on hand one thousand quail one thousand pheasants and five hundred snipe his partridges number seven hundred and fifty to say nothing of five hundred wild ducks ptarmigan and grouse and genuine egyptian quail which i dare say are of the same family as those which fed the israelites in their sinai wanderings i had one of these quail for breakfast this morning it made me think of a reed bird it was about as big as the hand of a baby but let us leave the kitchens and give the ghost of columbus a look at the linen rooms the weekly laundry of a ship like this would cover the santa maria so that it would be only a needle in a haystack of linen if it were spread out on the fields of your farm it would cover every inch of fifty acres and if upon the roofs of new york it would make white hundreds yes thousands of houses if hung upon clotheslines there would float in the breeze eight thousand bedspreads ten thousand blankets and seventy-seven thousand towels there would be also ten thousand tablecloths forty-five thousand napkins and more than five thousand aprons required for the cooks and stewards as well as doilies and ship's lingerie of one kind and another the blanket stretched on one line would reach fifteen miles the sheet sixteen miles and the tablecloths and napkins just about as far as from washington to baltimore no washing is done on the ship yet none of the table linen is used more than once i don't know what the weekly wash costs but i am sure it is at one with the other expenses of a great modern steamship the liner deluxe floats upon dollars and the thousands of us who cross the atlantic must pay the bills these boats are the last word in luxurious travel the majestic for instance has a suite costing seven thousand dollars and its occupants pay for their passage at the rate of about fifty dollars an hour for six days spent on the water for the price of a working man's house they get a drawing-room a sun porch two bedrooms a maid's room and three baths the charge includes passage for four persons indeed i can tell you that it takes much more money to go to europe these days than it did only a decade ago then the minimum first-class fare on the great ocean liners was one hundred and twenty-five dollars and there were comfortable ships from new york to liverpool with a minimum charge of seventy five dollars i have crossed on a second class liner that is a steamer without any first class for fifty five dollars and i once came from london to new york on such a ship for thirty five dollars on that trip i had room board and the voyage for three and a half dollars a day or less than the room rate at any of our best city hotels today the minimum first class passenger on a liner deluxe is around two hundred and seventy five dollars and that of the second class is one hundred and fifty dollars or more and besides there are an infinite number of incidental expenses we have more than two thousand passengers aboard and i venture twelve hundred at least have paid a dollar and a half for the use of a deck chair at that rate on every voyage the ship will net eighteen hundred dollars for its chairs alone think of paying two hundred and seventy five dollars as the rent of a furnished home on the ocean for six days and then being charged one dollar and fifty cents to sit on your veranda
furthermore i have been told that i am expected to give two dollars more as a fee to the deck steward who folds up this chair every night and unfolds it again in the morning he does not even move it about for each passenger is given a place for his chair and is expected to stick to it and then the other fees that the steamship publicity literature informs the traveler are proper during the voyage we are told that the average passenger on a big liner is expected to spend thirty dollars in tips the table steward will be satisfied with a five dollar bill although some pay half as much more or even twice as much the room steward's fee is another five dollars the bath steward should have twenty-five cents every time you take a bath the library steward must have quite as much for each book and sheet of notepaper he fetches and the smoking-room steward expects a percentage on your profits at pool betting or poker and the cost of your drinks the elevator boys count on seventy-five cents to a dollar each the lounge steward hopes for a bit more and none but a penny pincher would think of refusing a dollar or so for the band i forgot to mention the dog steward who takes care of your bull terrier or police dog in the kennels on board we have a score of such passengers some of them with longer pedigrees than those of their masters one ought to give a fee also to the attendant who chalks out the diagrams for shuffleboard or stretches the net across which one plays tennis with his inamorata of the voyage a fee is also due to the lady swimming instructor if you are of her sex and if not you hand over a sum to the muscular half-naked masseur who rubs you down after your plunge in the pool the physical director in charge of the gymnasium on the hurricane deck also has an itching palm and there is a multitude of others whose hungry eyes will fairly hypnotize the dollars out of your pockets as you are leaving the ship speaking of money how the heart of columbus would swell if he could see the fortune seemingly squandered under his eyes you remember his trials and disappointments in persuading queen isabella of spain to finance his adventure the queen kept him waiting for years and in despair he had left the court on his mule for france when he was brought back with the word that she would furnish the money and do you know how much she put up all told the cash was only sixty-seven thousand five hundred dollars a little more than small change for the millionaire financier of to-day she took this amount from her own treasury and borrowed sixty thousand dollars additional making her total investment one hundred and twenty six thousand five hundred dollars added to this columbus put in about an eighth part of the whole and eighty thousand dollars was subscribed by the citizens of palos the port from which the fleet started forth on that memorable voyage the ships and their outfits cost two hundred and thirty six thousand dollars i take these figures from fisk's the discovery of america and he believes them too large they comprise the total expense of that trip of discovery now let me give you some ideas to the cost of my flagship the majestic it was constructed by the germans at much lower wages than those of today and if built now would cost between twenty and twenty five million dollars in order to pay any kind of profit on the investment she must earn for every round trip nearly twice the cost of the fleet which columbus took across the atlantic this ship can hardly last more than twenty-five years so that in addition to its ordinary profits it has to earn enough to cover a depreciation of about one million dollars a year End of chapter two